little bit of breeze blowing. Welcome to Trapping Inc. Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich. Exotic. <laughs> i tell you what, I'll take this location any day. Yes, we're on our trap line. We're on our trap line, and that is wonderful. What we're actually here doing, well, it's one of the things. We were supposed to finish up our, our firewood the last time we were here, but uh, we got rained out. It was, if you follow us along on Facebook or, or Instagram or anything, it was just mucky, 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 and it rained and rained and rained. And I thought that, you know, I'm made out of sugar. I might melt if I got wet. So <laughs> we held off on it, and it was kind of cool. cool that we did. Because then I had to go back and uh, work on the, the home that we're building for our, our oldest son. And while I was there, I got to visit with Range Road, uh, the makers of the of the wood splitters that we, we use. And he just brought out a new model, and this is now a, a kinetic model, and rather than the hydraulic one that we've been using so far. And so he says, you know, go out, abuse it, use it, see what see what works, what doesn't work, and, and let me know. And that's kind of cool being on that... Uh, that yeah, well, the... Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I see what you've done there. I see what you've done. <laughs> so we get to be on the cutting edge and, and uh, you know, get to recommend some of the changes and that to be done. I, I noticed that the uh, uh, serial number on it is like 02. So we are pretty pretty cutting edge. Look at the size of that dragonfly. <laughs> That's hilarious. There he goes. And they have a lot of hoofs. Well, the thing, the thing about them, though, I mean, we love dragonflies because they eat all the, all the biting bugs, the uh, horseflies. Out here in June, it's hard to talk. They're, the horseflies are so heavy, so thick. Yeah. They, they, they fly in your mouth, and they are. They're a meal in themselves. Two of them, and you're over full. Most most things bite him. He's funny because you'll watch him out here, and he'll be he'll be running along, and all of a sudden he will just hit the ground and roll, yeah. and just hit the ground and roll. You know, he's just just trying to, I guess, rub off the bugs or whatever. But to get back to the the wood splitter, yeah, this is a 34 ton model, and it's a kinetic, uh, which means that there's two 80 pound flywheels in there that turn, and through a uh, a belt uh, rack and pinion or um, gear system. It transfers the momentum from those 160 pounds into the force that pushes the ram. And it's, it's really cool because we never stalled it once. Yeah. We, we filled, we filled that, that wood, pot, wood box back there at six cords of wood, and we never, we never stalled it, not once. No, and there's, uh, you know, I mean, people can, can say we don't really have wood up here, but, I mean, we, we cut beetle-killed pine for what we have to burn in the cabin. And some of that is really naughty, brutal stuff if you're going to chop it by hand with an axe. So this thing, I don't care if people say, oh. I, I like it. And, and the neat thing about this one, the jitter done, no. Yeah, splitter no, done. Splitter done. <laughs> splitter done model uh, is Rich can actually keep ahead of me when I'm stacking wood because I'm good. 
It, she is very good. The, but the, the reason being is that the other, uh, the hydraulic one that we use so often has a six second uh, stroke. So out and back again is, is six seconds. This has a three second stroke. So it's that much faster. And what I think is so cool with this, you could throw away the ax. You know, usually, most times when people use a, a splitting, uh, a hydraulic splitter or, or any splitter, it's just to break stuff out of the round into halves or quarters so it'll cure. And then afterwards, when you go to burn it, you, you uh, use a, an axe to take and uh, split it down further to, to get it into stove size. I can keep ahead of her while turning everything into stove size right there, right with that. I don't need an axe. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah, well, I got carried away. <laughs> but it's so small that it stacks even better. So that thing is plumb full, like right up to the little rafters that are in there. And uh, we won't run out of wood this winter. Don't say that. Don't say that. It's, it's like saying that something's idiot-proof. We just invent a better idiot because... <laughs> You know, while we've had, last winter was, was over 10 feet of snow and we had lots of cold, Noah. Don't say that we won't run out because God knows what the what could, may come down the pi path at us. Then we still got, there is still some standing dead that we can go get if we absolutely have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have some pretty cool news. Uh, in Canada, we air on Wild TV. That is the channel that we air on. And I just got uh, notification from... Uh, uh, the uh, uh, director there, the uh, programming director, that we are number one. Our show is number one on the channel. And that is cool because that's a lot of very serious competition that we've got out there. Any uh, hunting or fishing show you want to name, we're the only trapping show. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that makes us the tall poppy in the field. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you know, the the folks that watch the show and the folks that that uh, sponsor us to be on the channel, it means a lot to them. Means a lot to us. Absolutely, it it's uh, we're, we've always done very very well on the channel, but for them to actually phone us up and and be concerned that we only have one year left in our contract with them. <laughs> Uh, it certainly is. <laughs> One of the things we did, we're getting a lot of, uh, of questions on Facebook and, and uh, YouTube, and that is why our season four hasn't gone out yet onto, onto YouTube. And here's the reason. We changed our release date. Uh, for our new season. Yes. So all the previous three seasons are... Our release started on January 1 of that year. This year we moved it back to the start of the of the second quarter, so April 1. And the reason for that was is we were just a couple of disasters away from, from uh, failing to, to fulfill a contract. We have to, if you're going to be on the air come uh, the 1st of January, you have to have four shows to close captioning by the 9th of December. Well, heck, I mean, uh, our... Our season really starts here for us. I mean, it starts first of October, but we don't really start trapping until end of end of October, and that's uh, that's just muskrat. Um, November is is Martin and all that, but Martin and Fisher, Martin and, Fisher yeah. and, and then Lynx and Otter are in uh, in December. All I need is is two or three, you know, uh, 
disasters and all of a sudden i don't get my my first four shows to to close captioning and, and i'm in violation of my contract so i've had close pretty close uh the last year was was the closest ever i got my my fourth one in like it was going through the pipe on the on the uh, broadband w with about seconds to spare and it was the fact is is that we were ending up that was with fur that was going on on TV, people were watching it on TV, and it still wasn't dry in the first shed yet. <laughs> well, there's a lot that goes into this, and it's just the two of us for the most part, although you do travel to, to have uh, an opportunity to trap with other trappers across Alberta and uh, a guest of some that are in Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah, we've been in Saskatchewan. We've been in the territories, B.C., the... Uh, Yukon, all those places we've been, and it's 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 wonderful to go well, visit like people. Adds to, you know, I mean, it's, we have our our regular travel to come up here, but when you go somewhere else, it's usually further. Well, that's part of it, though, is that we need um, we need more exposure. Yeah. We need need more promotion in in other markets and uh, in the U.S. and that, so that we can. Uh, once, well, once the numbers get up, then we we can do even more, right? We can we can afford to do more, and because a lot of stuff that I want to go do, you know, whether it's back east in Ontario, Quebec, or even further north, you know, up to the Arctic Ocean, or or south down into you know for Missouri raccoon or or bobcats in in uh, Wyoming or whatever, I'm gonna have to fly, and you know that that kind of that that's pretty expensive, so. We need to, we need to get those kind of uh, that financial house in order. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all comes. <laughs> it all comes. <laughs> that, it's, it goes back to though that the most pr precious thing in a trapper's life is time, right? Yeah. Well, I think for all of us, if we were honest with each other, it would be the most precious thing is time. You can make more money, and you can make more of everything else. Nope, nope. So, I mean, um, part of it uh, out here, you know, we we don't spend a lot of time out here during the summer when most people would would like to spend time at their cabin because we have so many other irons in the fire. We do what we need to do as far as uh, getting wood and and uh, any maintenance and uh, like I believe next year on the schedule is a new new uh, new stove in there, a new wood stove. I think so, yeah. I think so, but that's going to be that's going to be next year. Our most most of the time out here is in the winter, and I had a, an email from a fella uh, just yesterday, and he was talking about he's from uh, uh, South Carolina, no, North Carolina, pardon me, and he said, uh, I just can't believe. He says I would love so much to come up and and visit you people and 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 to see see that, but he says I don't know how you stand to live in that weather. <laughs> <laughs> it all, you know, I mean, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful place in the wintertime, but it is harsh. It's very harsh. Well, it's got its own austerity, though, and I mean, you get, you got to admit that you love a, uh, you know, a, a 20 below day walking out and the sun's shining yeah. across the, as long as the wind isn't blowing, yeah. you can put up with a lot of temperature. Yeah, and we, I mean, the, these guys are still dogs, but they can't go too far, even in minus 20. 
weather with them, but it's still, they love to get out and run in the snow, and it's, it's really nice for all of us in the fresh air. And the thing about this country um, is that it's dry here, so um, we we don't have those fogged in, locked in days, unless it's snowing. Uh, and usually it's, they are bright sunny days, very much like the summer, only we have a friend, uh, a fellow, he's a, a, a professional outfitter that we go hunting with in Africa. Guy Swart is his name with Wild Horizon. Yeah. Wild Horizon is the name of his outfit. And uh, he comes over and does a trade show in March every year in, in Alberta, in, in Edmonton. <laughs> and he always says, why do you people live in this place? <laughs> and his son, Ryan, he's got a very nice uh, son there. He must be 16 now. No, time is sliding by, isn't it? Anyway, he, he's very much into hunting and, and fishing and all that sort of stuff. And I think he wants to be a PH, follow his dad and be a PH in, in South Africa, which is very admirable. It's quite an honorable profession there. But he wants to come over and he wants to, you know, do some skinning and, and check out all this crazy fur and that we have. And, and he says to his dad, he says, but dad, I must go there and, and witness all four seasons. And his father says, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you might think you want to, but when you're in the middle of the winter over there, you might change the bottom of the home. <laughs> well, part of it is, though, I mean, if you're going to be out in this stuff, if, you know, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, and, you know, I mean, people who live up here understand that, and there are still some people that, you know, drive to Edmonton, let's say, Breakdown on the side of the highway. No one has winter boots on. I know somebody that that just happened to last winter. No kidding. Was yeah. it cold? Oh, it was cold. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things, though. When you get into a vehicle, I mean, when you drive back and forth, you're, you're it's about 30 miles or 50 kilometers from our house to where you work every day, and you have a full set of of winter clothes in there, winter winter coats pants like insulated pants you have winter boots and toque and and mitts and everything if you broke down you're okay yeah and i i can't imagine people who would take off and head for edmonton and not have all that with them yeah. i mean well, it, i can <laughs> i know such a person well when you're that dumb though i mean it, it, it comes into uh, a friend of ours um john porter from best of the west we were uh, we were what we were Turkey hunting? Yeah, we were we were turkey hunting in Wyoming. Okay. Wasn't it? I don't know. I guess we were. I think we were because then we, then we were shooting gophers. Well, prairie dogs, prairie we, dogs. Yeah, which is slightly different than yeah. uh, than our gopher. They're quite a bit larger, okay. but at a thousand yards, not that much larger. <laughs> they don't look very much bigger. <laughs> we were we were out with uh, and anyway, so we're sitting around. Uh, it had been opening day of Turkey, and uh, you got yours on opening morning. Did I get mine the next morning or, the, or that afternoon? No, it was the next morning because that was that we sat in the... Remember that it had rained and yeah. we didn't know if the turkeys were going to come in, and, and the two of us were sitting in the, in the blind with our outfitter, and we heard a turkey, and everybody thought that it was coming from the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where did it come from? <laughs> Everybody pointed in a different direction. When you're sitting in a blind like that, yeah, it can, it can be pretty deceptive. Anyway, 
I think we were we. This was like the evening of uh, of uh, the second day or whatever, right? We're all sitting around for supper, and everybody's kind of gets done talking about their the turkey that they got that day or not. Wyoming's a fabulous place to go for turkey because they they huge success, and and the place we were with there, they are literally in the shadow of the of Devil's Tower in Wyoming. It's fabulous. If you've never seen Devil's Tower, you got to go see that. That is just the coolest thing. Anyway, we're all sitting around talking, and so then uh, turns to other talks, and this one fellow was was quite a bit older. It's like 70, 80, and 90, and they loaded them up. One of the tours was they were going down, I think it was the Limpopo River. I'm not sure. And, and hippos. And they put like a dozen in each one of these aluminum boats, like tin boats. They put them in these tin boats, these old people. There was no life preservers or anything, because he told us that. Anyway, they're going down, and I forget whether it was it a crocodile or a hippo knocked the boat over. I think it was a hippo that knocked the boat over. All these old people hit the water. And Nobody has a life preserver. And this, this river is crawling with the stuff that is most dangerous in Africa. Well, yeah, crocodiles are dangerous, but hippos kill more more people than anything. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> we, we are horrified that all of these octogenarians... <laughs> Then he goes on to tell us they found everybody. Not till the next day. Yeah, These people... <laughs> they, they found them spread, scattered out down around down the river and all that, but they were all okay. And, uh, and, they, guys just, and they refunded us our money <laughs> for the tour. <laughs> and John Porter turns to me and he says, you know, he says, we all know that when you're born, you got a number. And when your number's up, you know, your time's up, you're dead, right? He says, people that stupid, they get a lower number. <laughs> well, we had high numbers. <laughs> oh, no, no, like, God knows how long, long they could live if they weren't so dumb. Like, wow, that was that was unbelievable. Anyway, I just, you know, we run in, I guess the, the moral of this story is that we run into an awful lot of really fabulous people. We hear some doozy stories over the years. The, uh, John is a great guy. He's a, he's a dyed and outfitter in Wyoming, and he takes a lot of people on elk and sheep hunts and stuff over there. And and uh, I, I love the story that he tells about the young guys that come to work for him. He's yeah. About our age. And uh, he's a cowboy, and he's probably hit the dirt a few times coming off of a horse or two. And anyway, he, he takes these young guys, and they're going up the mountain, and he said the first day, you know. He, he hires them as cameramen. Yeah. Right out of college. Right. So he said, there they go, and they're miles ahead of them, and they're going up the hill the first day, and he's plodding along, and they're giving him these years about being an old man, and, you know, what's the matter, old man? You can't keep up, and stuff like that. By day two, they're 100 yards ahead of him. Yeah. By day three, they're 50 yards ahead of him. He says, by day four, they ain't worth feeding. <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> that's John, though. I mean, you know, that's... 
that business, you gotta, you know, getting to the top of the mountain first isn't really, doesn't matter. If your hunter is back with your guide and you're the cameraman, it's not gonna do them much good to be at the top of the mountain 20 minutes before everybody else. Well, talk about feeding though, like, um, food is really really important out here and and we've talked a little bit about spam and how it's one of our favorites but another favorite that we have is cold pizza well it's not cold to begin with but <laughs> i i think that i you have to tell your favorite pizza story cold pizza story <laughs> well, i think it was it was the first year that we were out here on this line yeah, yeah on this line and it was a particularly harsh spring very similar to this year yeah where yeah it was minus 22 on the 22nd of April, and we were out with our brand new Argo that didn't have a windshield on it, and it was chilly. Well, that was the first year for that model, and uh, yeah, once again, we were the, the crash test dummies. Yeah. <laughs> and so they didn't they had, didn't even have a windshield designed for it yet, so we, and we spent the winter trapping with it. Yeah, we didn't have a snowmobile, though. And there wasn't that much snow that year. Nope, but it but sure it was, was cold. cold that year. Anyway, we're out doing what we do, and uh, and I'd ha I baked a pizza the night before because we have a, a really nice oven in the cabin, and it's you know a lot of the comforts of home are out here. Really, yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of spoiled. Here. Anyway, so I I made a frozen pizza and we always add something to it and whatever so I'd taken it out with us um, to have for lunch but it had refrozen <laughs> in the back of the Argo because of course it, just, it was no windshield no setup here uh, honestly this thing is a pretty Cadillac this even got a heater I know favorite part my favorite part you dropped it and it bounced off a uh, off a stump a beaver gnawed stump hit landed in the snow you picked it up brushed it off nothing fell off yeah. it it was frozen <laughs> yeah, you, you it, yeah. and how good was that well just like everything out here when you work hard uh, everything tastes good whether or not you choose to have it if you were sitting in the comfort of your own home maybe not but out here everything seems to taste good that reminds me of another story of that winter when we, when we uh, in november we were doing we were setting up on the fly uh, a whole bunch of uh of new martin and and fisher uh trails and it was once again we didn't have no no uh top on it or anything and it was really cold we were hitting in the minus 30s there mm -hmm. and she was cold and 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 I'm all oh, I'm just so eager just to keep going right I need to I need to keep you know another box another over the next hill and working hard but she said do you think we could stop and start a fire and and, and have lunch and I'm thinking gosh you know that's gonna take up some time <laughs> I don't <laughs> So I go to the next box and I'm thinking, I'm you know, us guys, you know, we're problem solvers, right? We're problem solvers. So I'm trying to solve this problem and I'm thinking, well, you know, I think what the situation is, I'm moving around a lot and I'm staying warm, which isn't 
isn't true either. I just run hot. I run hot all the time. So <laughs> you could you could have been been doing a lot a, a lot of stuff and not stayed warm. But so I decided I, I figured I had a solution. And I said, when I stop to put this one on, you just run down the road road to the next one there, and, and uh, I'll catch up to you. You you you'll get warm uh, uh, <laughs> moving. And <laughs> if I'd have thought it was cold in that Argo before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, problems do happen. Um, well, you always have to be prepared out here. I mean, it's, um, cold is one thing, and we laugh and joke back and forth about, about these kinds of things, but it can be serious in a big hurry. Well, I, and a lot of times, you know, people, we get a lot of, uh, of uh, email and text and Facebook and all that where people say, how come we don't see you, you know, when falling through the ice and all this kind of stuff, like, like on the on the reality TV shows? So I, I say we fall through, but we are so busy trying to save our hides or our gear or whatever. There's no time to go turn a camera on. I mean, it's her and I, yeah. you know. So if if she's in front of the camera, I'm behind it. We don't have a big production company. And nope. That's what makes it real for us, I guess. So reality, I guess we like to say that we put the real in reality TV because we we don't. Uh, we don't create drama nope. for the sake of the viewer. I think what we do is interesting enough, seems to be, since we're number one on the channel, but, um, you know, it, there's times when when it's ugly out there. There's times that he's come home soaking wet. Um, <laughs> well, soaking wet and then frozen. Yeah, it was, it was cold. It was just about 30 below that day, and... This is, I was chasing otter, and for most of you folks down south, you, you'll never understand this because you, you don't chase otter when it's frozen, you don't, heck, you don't end up with ice. But we do, we chase otter all winter long here, and it's, it's cold, it's frozen. Now, there's two, two distinct sets, or two, they, the sets break down into two general areas. One where you're setting a hole or, or running water or something where they're accessing water, or, and another is where the, you're setting on their trail, where they're going from, from one spot to another on the water or in between the water. Uh, the day she's talking about in particular, uh, I had found a place where the otter were going in, and they just have a little hole. Like literally a 30-pound otter goes down a hole like that. Like a, a four or five inch diameter hole. Yeah. Yeah, they can go right down it. It's it's just amazing. Like they can knock the top off of a muskrat push up yeah. and go down through that. Yeah. And so I'm always surprised at how small of a of a hole uh, a uh, otter can go through. But that's what 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 is uh, there's this hole and it's down through the uh, ice on the on a beaver dam, and it's right next to the uh, uh, cattails. Okay, so one of the things about cattails is, you know, in the summertime, you can usually walk on the cattails. You know, they, if, if you, you're careful stepping from lump to lump, you know, they, it'll, it'll hold you up, right? And usually it's at the edge of the cattails where, where the um, bottom changes and there's quite a drop off or whatever. So I had uh, found this the day before and I'm back checking it. And what I'd done is I'd put a, a 330. If you watch the show, you see where I put a 330 on the... Uh, body grip trap on a, on a pole and I, I take and reach it out and, and tilt it over so that it covers this hole so when they, they go either go in or out of the hole, boom, I've got them. 
if you watch the one show this year, show number, I don't know, nine, maybe? And it was on Otter, and I actually have one going into a 3.30 that way on camera. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You just, that just doesn't happen. No. You're, you're, it's unbelievable to see an Otter, let alone to watch one go in a trap. Anyway, I have this sitting out there, and so I'm being very careful, you know. I mean, it's 30 below or pretty close to 30 below that day, and I'm walking up to it, and I'm walking in the, the cattails, because cattails are your friend, right? This is what's always in your head, mm -hmm. is cattails are your friend. Some. <laughs> somehow cattail gives out underneath me and I, I start falling and I am going to fall like my face is going to hit that 330 <laughs> I am going to 10 ring that 330 with my nose like I mean that's I am just going like that I managed to get rolled sideways so that I landed on my left shoulder and I went through the ice like it was paper thin <laughs> so as I'm going down through the water, big shock and all that, but all I can think about is there's a 330. It's either sitting on top uh, on top of the ice or it's following me down through the hole. So I'm really scared to even move because I could be shoving my hand out into a 330, a, a, a set 330, right? So not only might you drown under the water, but you might get snapped with a I, I just about drowned trying to figure out what to do. I was like, <laughs> panic! <laughs> So finally, I was like, "Well, okay, it's either it's either come with me or or not." So I, I I rolled over, keeping my hands and arms close to my body, and I rolled over and looked up and and couldn't see nothing because <laughs> I'm in in water the color of very dark dark tea, you know. And and uh, I, at that point, then I, I I pushed up off the bottom. I'm being careful though because I I didn't want to step, you know, back into that trap or whatever. Turned out that it was just hanging off the edge of the of the hole up above and and hadn't fell in. But now I got out of there. And got back to the machine, and and uh, one of the things you asked me because I was uh, I don't know 20, 20 kilometers, so it would be about twelve miles away from the the cabin. And you said, why didn't you build a fire? Well, by the time I built a fire and stripped everything down, got everything dried off, it was hours and hours. And I figured I could make it back. I was on on a snowmobile, and I figured I could make it back fast enough. But when I got back, I was froze. Like, how long did I did it take to to thaw off enough? Yeah, just yeah, I was frozen into yeah. them. Yeah. It was, a, it was an ugly time, but again, you know, you don't stop what you're doing to get the camera out to film it all. Uh, <laughs> you're, just, you're just too concerned about making sure that he's going to be okay. Well, and it was it was weird because knowing what I know about hyperthermia and knowing what I know about, uh, you know, being aware, you know, checking back through. So I'm, I'm, I'm wiggling my toes and making sure I've got feeling in them and everything. And my boots are frozen solid. Like I, I couldn't even get out of them for, yeah. for 20 minutes inside the cabin. And, but part of it is, is that, uh, my metabolic rate is high, yeah. but the other part is, is that you're very conscious and aware. So you're, you're a little bit amped up, you know, so the pump is going pretty good and, and uh, <laughs> I might have been encrusted nice, but underneath I was sweating. <laughs> I made it back. But there's been other times too that, you know, you've had, just had to be aware. There was that time you wrote. Was it Otter? Oh, that once again was Otter. Maybe I got to quit Otter. Maybe, maybe. They are not your friends. Well, they just try and kill me, that's all. I mean, I get. I get an unscheduled bath or two a, a season because of them going through the ice. But this time, uh, it happened to be just, there's this little old road. 
and there's a culvert through it that, you know, like the road's been abandoned, so they should have jerked the culvert out, but they haven't. But the culvert goes from one fairly good body of water to another, and the otter were getting in underneath the ice on the one side and swimming through the culvert. So I pounded a, a, a hole through, and there was lots of water, so I could set a, a 330 down in a, in a stand, right, to block off this culvert. And I've got this fetish, and I know I have this sickness, and somewhere out there, there is a help group for me, but it's like sharp-bladed sickness junkie people. Anything I own, if it's got a blade on it... It has to be the sharpest thing known to me. I have a... In the back of this Argo right now, there is a three and a half pound general purpose axe that you can shave with. I just, <laughs> I can't help myself. I just can't help myself. I, I, if, if, they, if they've got a, an edge that's supposed to be used for cutting, it's got to be sharp. And so I had this hatchet, okay? And here's the stupid part is, is when I lift open the, the toolbox, there's the hatchet and there's a hammer. I grab the hatchet. I don't know why. Of course, the backside of it is razor sharp. And at that time, I'd, I'd set a bunch of uh, traps, so I was out of my good H stands, and, and I had an old ladder. Basically, that's what it looks like. Uh, it's, it looks like a wooden ladder. And so you have two poles that, that, go, that go vertical, and then uh, slats, one by two or whatever, slats that go sideways, that would be like the, the steps on a ladder. And then you put the 330 in between uh, where those slats are. So the slats stop the beaver from, or, or otter from going above or below and they go through the 330. So this anyway had one slat where I didn't want it so I had to pound it off and I grabbed that blessed um, hatchet. hatchet and I start beating off, you know, I knock off one side of the of the one by two and then for whatever stupid reason I reach over across sideways and grab it there and I, I, I lift up lift up the hatchet to, uh, to to swing down to knock it over and with my with my left hand across over my right hand the blade of that hatchet goes up and I slice my wrist wide open and like jeepers you want to talk about your heart rate leaping because at that moment well you just look at your wrist and when you take a look and, and look at all of those beautiful blue veins running everywhere it's the scariest place on earth to ever have a cut and that's exactly and i grabbed it immediately with my right hand and i pinched down on it and there's blood just pouring out like it looked like something out of the movies because there's blood pouring out bet between every one of my fingers and everything the blood's just coming out and i'm thinking oh god have i done it this time you know and I, I quickly reach down and I grab a handful of snow and I, I pack that on top and it's just blood is going everywhere and there's just nothing I can do. And so I, I, had, I was on a snowmobile and I'm a long ways from the cabin. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm nine kilometers from, from the truck and another two kilometers from there to the cabin. And I, I, I got to use my right hand to hold my wrist closed. <laughs> It was a snowmobile, so I, I, I it, it was stupid, but I managed to, to use my left thumb and hand to steer. Here, you you are really hit with those uh, dragonflies today. Another one landed on you. <laughs> while, while, while holding my wrist closed with my right hand, I drive I drive with my left. And thank God that my trail is, is so well developed that, I mean, basically it's like a train. You're on tracks, right? 
and I managed to drive to the truck and I don't know what to do because I'm still bleeding and you know, you're constantly checking through your checking all everything. You know, do I feel lightheaded? You know, yeah. Do I do I feel like I'm gonna pass out? Sure. Do I feel like I'm gonna get sick? Yeah. <laughs> and most of it, yeah, most of it, it's your mind doing it to yourself. But you know, you're still going, right? The 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 will to to carry on. So I don't know what to do. Um, like Sandy's not here or anything else. So I get to the truck and uh, I can think about is. Quite often when I cut myself on the job site or whatever, I just use crazy glue and glue myself, right? And I've got crazy glue in the truck. Well, you know, it's how cold it was that day. It was it was 20 or 30 below or whatever th that day as well. So I get the truck open, um, which was really interesting. I mean, there I am holding my, 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 my wrist closed and, and I got a, I have a Ford truck, so I have a keyless entry and I, and I get in and I find the glue and it's frozen. <laughs> So, where's the warmest spot on your body that you where you can thaw something? Armpit? <laughs> no, your crotch. <laughs> it was, and I had no chance of getting to my armpit because you got to remember, I'm still holding my, I'm holding my left wrist closed. I can undo my fly and I can stuff the frozen glue in, <laughs> snug it up alongside the boys, and, <laughs> and that was a whole new experience all in its own. Because <laughs> it was so cold, I finally get it thawed. And the great thing about uh, Crazy Glue is that it likes moisture on, on the, sometimes if materials are too dry, like wood and that, it takes a special kind of Crazy Glue to, because it's so dry. Well, I had lots of moisture there, so I took an, and, and I'd let it open and the gap's open and it's like, I blink when I see how big of a gap is in there. And I take and run some Crazy Glue in it and I hold her tight while the effect, I don't know if you've ever used Crazy Glue on yourself, it burns when you've got a huge whacking hole like that. It burns extra. So anyway, I got it closed up, and and I was you know all the way back to the uh, to the truck, and before I glued it, I'm thinking, oh, if I can just get it stopped, I'll go home and all that. And by the time of the night was out, I stayed. <laughs> I got some bandage on it, and I figured oh, I ain't. I ain't I ain't passed out. I ain't. I ain't lost too much blood. I ain't got sick, so I'm, I'm okay. Away we go. And now, well, now we have out here a stapler. Yes, a medical a stapler. Medical stapler, and, and we do that because, of course, we got the dogs running around here too, and occasionally they get into stuff that we're a long ways from a vet or anybody that can help us. So we uh, we have that to help them, and it's also good for. <laughs> You know what? It works good, guys. And I mean, you get get it all pulled together and shoot a staple in. Uh, you want to be dedicated because after that first one, it's a hard it's a hard deal to pull a trigger the second time. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of. You know, there's a lot of these stories that have to do with him hurting himself out here. But you were, um, I think you knocked that thing. Did I? Yeah, there. Okay. He was out here. We were out here one weekend and we were. Something I was working on the woodshed. Yeah. So he's working on the woodshed and he's got his uh, air nailer and he's got... The compressor and, compressor and, yeah. And lines strung out everywhere and it's a Sunday morning and, and we're going to go home probably after lunch, but he wants to get the, the shed done. So we're 
he goes out early in the morning and I'm making breakfast and all of a sudden I hear him yell and I'm ripping out here because you can tell, can't you, when your partner is in distress <laughs> or when he's just being a goof? Well, this was definitely in distress, so I came running out here, and he's yelling at me to get the flyers out of the back of the Argo. He'd shot himself in the knee with his pneumatic nailer. Yeah. So, that's not a finishing nail. Three and a half inch. <laughs> Three and a half inch spike. And I was, I was uh, knelt down, and uh, I just pulled the hose and... And worst part was is I pin, I pinned my knee. It went down through through my knee, so through the the kneecap at the top of your knee, down through into the bone below. And I pinned my knee in that position. I couldn't stand up. I could because I couldn't straighten it out. And let me tell you, when I tried to stand up because I needed to get pliers, right? Uh, that was a whole new experience. That was. It had pushed in so far that it was dimpled dimpled into the into my jeans but it hadn't gone through the jeans but it she was full buried we we, we were we were set all the way so um you know 35 years 35 years of of using uh pneumatic guns and nailers and all that and i guess you just run out of respect you know and that's that was i wasn't and respecting it, it enough and one oops one oops yeah. and that I, I got a hold of it. I had to push down hard and grind it in there so, so that I could get a good grip on it. And I'm thinking, good Lord, what's this going to be like? And, the, and, and you know, your, your hands are clenching and, and, and moving. Oh, well, I'm thinking, I think I, I better pull hard because, you know what, I don't know that I'm going to be able to have it in me to pull for the second time, right? Because, <laughs> so, you know, like we're, we're, we're four hours away from a hospital, you know, so it's not like not like we can limp it out and anything else. I get a hold of it and I give this god-awful reef and it comes out. And I'm lucky that it, the glue on it or what it didn't bind because I think I'd have pulled the bone right out of my leg. <laughs> I pulled hard. <laughs> you, it came out. Yeah. 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 And, and then, uh, a few months later, you finally had surgery too. Because you, um, what was it, the meniscus? Yeah, you, yeah. That, so he some of it when he, yep. when he pushed that nail in and then when he pulled it back out again it, it kind of it looks like a um, kind of like a mandarin orange skin two, the two, two halves or yeah. two, two um, segments of a mandarin orange that, that lays on top of the bone on the bottom bone of your of your knee right your lower lower leg and it's supposed I to be a cushion. yeah <laughs> but I when that nail went through it it, it, it took and put up a wrinkle and then uh, or, or else when it went to heal, it, it scarred or whatever. But I, I've now got arthritis from it yeah. because it caused wear and, you know, and and it caused caused arthritis. But just one of those things. There was no time for camera that day either. No. Well, that's the thing. I guess that's the, the point of the whole story is that when we're out here and something happens, it's the, the first thing you run for is not the camera. Um, it's it's to make sure that your partner's looked after or that you look after yourself or whatever the case might be if you happen to be alone but yeah we uh we try to be we try to be careful we've been doing this a long time and there aren't very many stories and we can laugh about them and and that's because we came out of them okay it might have been a sad story if you hadn't been prepared or can't think your way through a problem yeah yeah think your way through how you know if you if you drop a machine through the ice how you get out um you know, we 
we've done that. I mean, I, I can drop an Argo in the middle of the lake, you know, hundreds of yards from shore. I know how to get out. I know how to get it back, back out and back on top of the ice. Those are, those are all things that you learn. Those are all abilities you need to survive. Yeah, well, you have to be, you have to be prepared with some sort of knowledge about your surroundings. And, and you know, I mean, you, you talk to people from North Carolina and they say, I, could, I don't know how you could live in that, and it's just about being prepared. But uh, we're, we're certainly not unique in that. I mean, it. We, we know lots of people that are in locations more remote than we are that uh, that have to be just as prepared as, as anybody, and they've had things happen to them too. Oh, I, I have probably three, four ways, different ways to start a fire in every one of the machines. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have flint, and I have cotton ball and Vaseline. I have our fire starters. I have matches. I have... I have uh, uh, lighters, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, that we have that stuff. We have emergency blankets. We have. I have tons and tons and tons of extra clothes with me in case I get wet. I can t always peel out and 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 uh, get dressed all in in warm stuff, right? So I mean, that, that's that's all about being prepared, right? And it's just part of of living here. I I love the story. One of the early settlers come over, and and uh, this is a story from from a long time ago, and they're out in the cold. And the Indian uh, guide is standing there, and he's practically naked. You know, he's uh, he's just wearing a breech clout and uh, and a uh, a little bit of a of um, a blanket around his shoulders or cape, yeah. And uh, the, uh, the settler says to him, he says, he says, uh, how come you're not cold? And the Indian fellow says, um, well, he says, is your face cold? And the settler says, well, no, not really. And the Indian says, me all face. <laughs> <laughs> so part of it is, is you do get used to it. Yeah. You, I mean, as the winter goes on, pretty soon, you know, if it's only if it's only 20 below and, you, and you're going from there to the outhouse, you know, it's, you don't really need to get dressed, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, you just, you, you, you do get quite used to it. It's a good thing that we have those those periods of going in into uh, the cold season. It wasn't just like winter all, all at once yeah, because... <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I suppose we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. It's been uh, a, a good uh, storytelling here once again. <laughs> On location. <laughs> On location. And uh, Gunner here would really, really like us to be done talking so that somebody will throw a stick for him. Yeah. Trying to be patient, but patience is good. Please make sure to check out uh, our Facebook page, Trapping Inc. Yes. Uh, our YouTube page is Trapping Inc. 2015. Um, this podcast, of course, you can uh, sign up for this podcast absolutely anywhere. We are uh, on the iTunes search engine. So it doesn't matter which uh, server you use or, or which uh, app you use, whether it's Podbean or, or Podcast Addict or Stitch or anything. If you, when you search, if you use the uh, iTunes search engine, we will come up. And, uh, and then, uh, if you were in the U.S., we are on uh, Amazon Prime. Yes. 
Yeah, that was part of what we started out right at the beginning, talking about uh, why it wasn't up there on YouTube. And that's, uh, we have to uh, fulfill our, our broadcast uh, contract with our, our channel here in Canada first. So they they get the right of, of first airing and uh, and uh, after everything's been up for six months then we can put, go to YouTube so starting uh, October 1 you're going to start seeing the rest of those uh, shows go up on YouTube other than that they can find us at uh, www.trappinginc.com yeah. thanks for listening thanks for being here thank you